Folks, well, if we're doing our job right, then you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. Sometimes we hit those audio cues just perfectly, and sometimes we have a little fun around here doing our best. But it's another week in paradise. I've got the best job in the world. Um, I get to hang out here every week and talk to fantastic folks in the Rec Poker world and the poker world generally. If you don't know what Red Poker is, we're a seriously fun group of amateurs and recreational players who love poker. We love learning about poker. We love getting better at poker together, beating other people at poker, winning all the chips, uh, and just exploring the poker world. So come on over to rec.poker today. Get a free account. All it takes is an email address and a smile. Uh, I hope you're watching us on YouTube live. If you are, you get a chance to chat with our guests every week. This week, it's Brad Wilson. I can't wait to get him more involved in the show here. Um, And of course, please click subscribe while you're here. Uh, because that's one of the ways that we keep it going. We're a largely volunteer organization here. So I got to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and website AMP. And I got to thank all our Wrecking Crew members and premium members, folks like Tron Vidar Stensby, um, who's one of our international members, who's a stalwart uh, champion of our home games. I think you won one of the um, Heads Up home game series that we ran last year. There's another one of those coming up soon. And uh, so Tron, Vidar, Stensby, thank you so much for your continued support. That 15 bucks a month makes a big difference for us. Um, because like I say, it's a group effort over here. I- I'm Jim Reed. I'll be your host this week. Uh, but I'm just one of many on the Wrecking Crew. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, where you can also learn about fantastic folks like Chris and John, who you're about to meet right now. So I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5b5 on Twitter or 5x5 on the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I mentioned already, I've got the best job in the world. I'm going to tease a couple things quickly. Rec Poker Weekend is coming up June 24th and 25th. If you can get yourself down to Running Aces in Minnesota, boy, we are going to have a fun time down there. There's a whole tournament series. There's an exclusive tournament just for Rec Poker members. There's going to be some splash prizes. We're going to give out a bunch of gear. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're already down in Las Vegas getting ready for WSOP, I've got good news for you on Monday, June 27th at 10 a.m. Uh, a bunch of us will be getting together at the WSOP Cafe down at Bally's there um, to have some fun, hang out, get together, do a little socializing, give out some patches. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, too. So come and check that out. You can find out more about that by going to rec.poker slash road trips. But enough of that. Let's get into the meat of the conversation. I'm so excited to welcome back to the show, Brad Wilson. Brad, thank you so much for your time tonight. Yo, yo. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, we got some podcaster on podcaster crime happening here. Um, We're bringing you on our show. We're going to hear all about your show if our folks don't know it already. Um, In fact, why don't we just start there? Uh, I I sort of introduced you as a podcast host. Um, You've been an accomplished player. Uh, You've been the podcast host for a while. I know you're very involved with coaching and other ways of growing the game. How do you describe yourself within the poker world? I have no idea. Uh Yeah. I do lots of things, you know, uh, the, I've, I started chase, chasing poker greatness maybe two and a half years ago. I've been a coach at, uh, card runners for those of you who remember card runners forever ago as a sure. coach at run at once. Uh, I'll also coach at pokercoaching.com, and, you know, I've been a professional since 2004, um, from 2004 until 2019, 2020, whenever the podcast launched. And then I, Transition more into the business coaching, podcasting side of things, you know, the media. And really, uh, my whole life is immersed in poker strategy and teaching, communicating effectively. I have a coaching for profit group that I train on an almost daily basis. And I have crushers who I'm coaching on a, on an almost daily basis as well, who are battling, you know, in the streets of five ten no limit online. Um, one of my students is uh, Jay Wynn, who's, you yep. know, grown like a pretty big audience relatively quickly in Texas. He's, I think he had a 50 K month last month. So, you know, just fully immersed in, in the poker space, but I haven't put in a ton of volume. So I can't really call myself much of a player for the past couple of years, more just a strategist and um, learning and 
learning how to communicate effectively and coach people. I mean, it's just a different, it's really a different skill set than actually playing cards. Yeah, you've mentioned sort of learning um, to communicate effectively a couple times in that description. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously something that's really important to you. Is that strictly in the context of coaching, or uh, what has given that such such a primacy in your in your life right now? Well, you know, to teach somebody effectively, you need to be able to transfer knowledge, and most of the time, with transferring knowledge, you have to meet somebody on their paradigm, right? I think that's the classic like coaching mistake of. Um, assuming that people think about things in the way that you think about things. Uh, but the reality is, is like, you know, a poker player, you, you, the coach has to get into the head of the student and understand how they see the world, how they see the game, um, how they think about the game, the language that they use around the game. Um, and then, you know, one thing that I, I feel like is just underrated in poker education kind of across the board is more robust language where mm. you're able to describe a specific line, a specific um, action, a specific sizing scheme, a specific board type uh, or turn a river um, where, when the equity shifts effectively and uh, quickly. And I think that like we've done a pretty horrendous job in general in poker of, you know, creating more robust language where we can all like speak and everybody understands exactly what's being said. And there's not like anything that's kind of lost in translation because all, all of those like spots where things are lost in translation, um, they just mean that the coaching is not as effective. The communication is not as effective. The learning is not going to be as effective, right? Yeah, I think that's a great answer. So if folks in our uh, YouTube chat have questions, feel free to type away. And of course, uh, Chris and John, anytime you want to jump in, John, do you have something here? No, no, oh. sorry. I just <laughs> I saw the unmuted and I made a bad assumption. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so Brad, I'm always interested in how other people coach. We have a coaching program here that mostly works with beginners and intermediate players and just sort of helps them shine a light on their own game. Um, how do you yourself uh, uh, sort of decide what someone should be uh, studying or, or what level they're on or, or how to take them to the next level? What's the way that you kind of work out with them where they're at? Well, luckily, over the past few years, I've been very fortunate to have a, a really strong and tight-knit community. Uh, Greatness Village on Slack, there's almost 700 people in there. Uh, it's Everybody's talking, there's hand histories, discussion all the time. And I think like... The, the major thing is people will join the community. They'll introduce themselves. They'll talk about where they're at in their journey. And they just ask the community, right? Like, where should I start? Do, mm. I, do you think preflop bootcamp is good? Or, or if somebody reaches out directly, just because I think in general, like when, you know, like I said, I, I've transitioned more to business. And so like, instead of beating people out of money um, on the green felt, now in order to sustain um, the podcast and all the things you have to sell products, right? So I have products and I think like there's this thing when somebody asks you what, what you should do and you're incentivized to sell them that makes it come across as like there, there's a little bit of trust lost, but when it comes to the community, people answer very honestly about their experience and where they're at. And, and so like that is a really good way of figuring out where you need to go. Um, and in general, the way that I structured my products was uh, I started with preflop since, you know, it is the first street, <laughs> yep. right? Uh, I, I thought about poker and poker, poker is a big game. Like it, it's a big game tree, right? It's so big. In fact, that we don't even realize we play the same spots again and again and again, because they seem so different, right? It's almost like an infinite number of possibilities, but there is a finite number of possibilities and a lot of them are quite similar in structure. Um, so the way that I really approached training was I wanted to make it sequential to where one course leads into the next course and it makes sense and it's not overwhelming, right? Like even though you're going to, you're going to play a flop, right? Like you got no choice <laughs> when you sit down to play cards, you're going to see a flop. You'll have to make decisions, right? The, the classic mistake of poker training, in my opinion, is pure overwhelm. They try to mm. teach everything and they end up teaching a bunch of things very, very poorly. 
So for me, I look at poker as a bunch of mini games that make up this giant macro game. And we just like a car, you know, if you imagine all the different parts of the car, you pull out one piece, you isolate it, you work on that, and then you put it back in the car and then you find the next spot, right? So like after preflop for me, it was sea betting against fish uh, because most of the revenue, most of the profit that you generate when you play poker is against the weaker players. So having a good plan on flops for sea betting in position against that specific profile you know, that was uh, the next product and then dealing with um, donk bets. So when you raise preflop and you're in position and the villain leads into you, you know, that that is another product. Um, and then see betting on the turn and river after the flop. Uh, and basically like sequential of like, this is what you're going to do. Um, it's a spot that happens at a high frequency and it plays a, an outsized role in your win rate. So these are the things that we need to focus on, prioritize, and do quite well, right? Um, and my my goal in the beginning was to build out courses for every every spot, right? So like two bet pots in position as a preflop raiser versus fish. Two bet pots in position as the preflop caller um, versus regs versus fish versus whales, like whatever profile. And just map out everything and have like a giant catalog of courses. And as I was you know, doing this, um, I kind of just realized like, you know, the one-to-one coaching for me has gotten like, I enjoyed doing it, but it got a little stale in that I, I, I love teaching, but I don't think I, I could plug and play in like the school system in the United States. I couldn't teach the same lesson day after day after day. It just, <laughs> it doesn't do it for me. It's monotonous. It's boring. I hate it. Um, and, and I found that I was giving the same coaching sessions again and again and again. And I was, it just felt so inefficient. I was like, I, you know, like it would cannibalize my business, but I, I, I wish I could just record this and just like, be like, here, no, let's <laughs> just watch this video instead of doing the coaching session. Right. Because it's going to be the same. So as all these things were kind of happening and I had my plan for the business, I realized like, well, why not just build out everything in the way that I wanted to, but have a coaching for profit group instead that's built more like a team atmosphere where you sign people up, they sign a contract for two years, they get access to all the strategies. Every coaching session is recorded and everybody can watch every replay. So I don't have to do the same thing, you know, the same lesson again and again and again. Um, we can have group coaching, we can learn collectively and grow collectively, you know, like iron sharpens iron. And that, that, uh, thought I had maybe a little over a year ago. And then for the past year, I've hunkered down and <clears throat> really built out uh, every single course that I had envisioned for both regs and um, fish. And now it's a matter of, uh, yeah, just uh, once, I once I built everything out, which took me about four or five months, then it was the next giant problem of like, oh, great, I've mapped out poker. Uh, <laughs> mapped out poker, now I have to transfer <laughs> the, all this information to these human beings, right? So creating a learning path that was, again, robust and that people understood. You know, there's vocabulary cards because, again, we need to speak the same language, right? Like when I say um, you face a flop float, right? Like that can mean a bunch of different things. If you go to hold a manager, like their definition of like a float mm -hmm. is, um, you know, the preflop raiser checks and the in position preflop caller bets, right? Which is not what people think about when they hear float. They think, oh, I call the flop with, you know, not a good hand so that I can take it away in a future street, right? So it's just very important that like when, when we say um, I floated the flop, that we everybody's on the same page and then identifying flop textures by specific type um you know turn cards by specific type flush completers straight completers over cards under cards board pairing um and then yeah basically breaking apart the game once again like just breaking the breaking apart the game into manageable bite-sized chunks well, I got, I see our, our YouTube chats blowing up a bit. So I've got, I'm going to get some of those questions here too. I couldn't help. I, I don't know if anyone's seen the movie Election. Um, but as you're talking about that, all I can think is uh, Matthew uh, Broderick lining up saying, executive, judicial, 
legislative, the three branches of, um, he's a civics teacher. And every year he teaches the model, the triangle model of, of uh, government. And so, okay, judicial, executive, legislative, it's like the same thing over and over again. They, they, they get into that there. I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Um, so I, uh, I'll get to some of these YouTube questions. And if you're in the YouTube uh, chat, folks, stick around till after the interview. We're going to have a contest at the end of the show where you can win a copy of uh, a poker book from Darrow Carney and Barry Carter. Um, so I think Type Login had a question about uh, the vocabulary, which I think you've already answered there. Um, we got a couple, George Ergris and Dean C, making some fun comments about your amazing community over there at uh, CPG. Um, Troy Chapman asks, uh, what was the wildest game you've ever played? We'll just jump right in with that one. The wildest game that I've ever played. I mean, I've played a a bunch of wild games. Um, man, that's a that's a tough question. Mm. Uh, yeah, by characters uh, at the table or by swings at the table, I'd give you either either one yeah, there. Take I, your out. Yeah, I played a home game one time where I was. Um, it was a pot limit Omaha game. I was like, uh, I was winning 30 K and I ended up losing 55 K Okay, that's in, a big swing. in the same session. The game started out as two five <laughs> <laughs> to, to give you a sense of like, uh, how wild things got over the course of the night. Um, and I, I found out years and years later that I was actually cheated in that game. Um, oh. I actually I was pretty sure that i was and then um yeah had uh somebody on the podcast who played in the game like a famous poker player and um we'd only played together a few times and i was like you probably don't remember like we battled at that pot limit omaha game at such and such location he's like oh yeah 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 they cheated us and i was like i knew it like what and then you know we had like a 30 minute discussion about like what they did and and all of that so it was that 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 was a pretty wild game, you know. I battled against Bruno Mars uh, over the course of like four days. Uh, I've talked about that quite a bit. That was, I'm not going to say wild. I mean, it was what was more wild were how people interacted with mm-hmm. a pop star. They just act very strange and weird, and like it was uncomfortable. <laughs> quite frankly, people are like, you know, trying to pass him like lyrics to songs and stuff, and mm. it. it, it it, it, it was it was weird. Um, so is that not is that not a good way to get your song uh, performed by a pop star? Just to show up next to them and like hand them handwritten like a, na- uh, a cocktail napkin, yeah. like writing down the lyrics on it. Yeah, that's that's the way. You know, it, it, it's the way for him to be like, yo, I can't look at this. Like, if I sing, like I can't even do it. Like, I'm I'm not gonna like even entertain it. I, I can't even look at it, right? Because like, if I if he looks at it and then says something similar one day, like he's right. in a lawsuit, right? So like, you know, he he's like, I'm not even looking at that thing. Like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> no, good point. Good point. Uh, I want to take a little segue there because um, for some of our folks that might not have heard you talking about it in the past, you mentioned getting cheated in that game, and that's obviously in the news right now. Um, what you, I'll, I'll give you the choice. Would you rather tell us a little bit about how you got cheated in that game, or if you have some thoughts on the more recent cheating scandals, or both? I'm, I, I can't remember exactly how they cheated me in that game. It had something to do with the RFID. Um, oh, they, yeah, they were okay. able to, they were basically able to know who was going to win the hand as the, as the cards were being dealt out, like which hmm. seat basically. So, um, that was, yeah, that, that was, uh, how that went down. Um, the recent cheating, I mean, you gotta be more specific here, Jim. Yeah. We, we got, we got, we got too many scandals all going simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. I mean, I think a lot of our, um, a lot of our listeners are live players. Um, so I think, and I think we're all, we're also removed from the technology online that I think it's kind of easy to imagine how people could cheat online because it all kind of happens behind the veil. Yeah. Um, but what about, what about in live environments? Um, and like, what can, what can we do to protect ourselves uh, when we're in those spots? I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, the problem, I don't know. Right? So like, that the the thing is like so like whenever you get scammed right the when, like whenever you're the mark basically I learned this the hard way um, it's got to seem like a good situation right like you, they they reel you in through greed which is what happened to me like you know it was four in the morning we were raising the stakes and I was playing against 
four of the worst pot limit Omaha players I've ever seen in my life. And we were five, <laughs> ha- five handed. Right. So it was like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to have a six figure night tonight. Like I, I'm going to have a six figure night. Um, and so like greed came into play. Right. And then like some things didn't go well. I stopped winning pots at showdown and it was just like, yeah, whatever. We just keep rolling. Right. We just keep battling. Um, and it was only until like afterwards when I collected myself, you know, after playing all night that I realized like, something was weird about that. Like there was one thing, one red flag was one of the players. When we started playing, it was two five. As I said, one of the players, um, everybody was button straddling to a quarter and he was like, he was an older gentleman and he was like, I'm not putting, I'm not putting $25 in without looking at my hand. Right. right. I specifically remember that <laughs> remark because at about four in the morning, he was button straddling to 500. Mm. Um, and I only connected those dots like the next day. I, cause in the moment I just didn't, I, I didn't recognize it. It didn't compute. Um, so there were like weird things like that, that I could have seen, but I mean, I don't, you know, it was five in the morning and I had been playing like all night. So it's hard to, you know, it just is what it is. I think playing in a, in a non home game environment is honestly maybe the best way to protect yourself. Um, if you think anything shady is happening, then tell the floor. If you're at a casino, tell, tell somebody who's in charge, you know, the, they did the whole thing in Texas about the, the shufflers, uh, Joey Ingram, like did a, an expose or whatever. And interestingly, one of my coaching for profit guys actually plays in that room and he was telling me about it. So I had the, I could have scooped Joey, um, <laughs> like a month, a month in advance because he was telling me, um, but even then, like there was very little details as to like if they were cheating, how were they doing it? They they had almost no proof, almost no details. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, that couple that was being accused ended up dumping like sixty k back and over like a few days, like doing the same stuff. So like they could have just been on a heater, right? Like it, you know, I think panic gets to people. It, it's really hard to know. Um, as far as online, though, I think. Um. Poker sites are highly incentivized to crack down on cheating. So they do do a lot of things. And also, like, this is, I don't know how to say this in a way. I I don't want to come off as arrogant, but like, the reality is, if you have two people that are like telling each other their cards and playing in the same room or near each other, my experience is that they're just not very good at poker. You can beat them just by playing cards well, because the folks that generally in a general sense that want to cheat, um, are trying to gain an edge that they don't have. That's a great point. Yep. Um, so, so I think in that sense, like you don't have to be super concerned that you control the controllables, which is your ability to make good decisions when you're playing poker. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cheating, I think whenever you have a game where you're playing for thousands and thousands of dollars and cheating, there's almost no downside to cheating like Mm -hmm. in an online unregulated sense, right? You get your account confiscated, but you don't go to jail. You can't lose your job. There's high profile allegations floating around. Those guys still have a job. They can still show up and they're still battling, you know, in the biggest and most prestigious tournaments in the world. So like, the downside just isn't there right now. Um, and that's just unfortunate. It's just a, I think that somehow got to figure out a way to create some downside. You know, I think, uh, prison would be like the biggest deterrent, right? Like you, you get fined, you go to jail for basically stealing from people. Um, but then the second deterrent would just be, you lose your job. You lose your ability to get in action anywhere. Um, but that's a slippery slope that, you know, I don't want to be the judge, jury and executioner of such a thing. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a, it's a difficult thing to, um, be the decider for, uh, and you know, are we going to have open court cases where we decide definitively who's cheated and who has, and what will the consequences be? But I think, I think you're right. There have to be some consequences or else bad actors are going to act badly. That's humans going to human. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it like just from the poker player sense of, yeah, people are going, there are going to be bad actors, but 
oh my God, I would hate to be accused of something that I didn't do yeah. and just not be able to play anymore, right? Yeah. And have my reputation ruined. So like you need irrefutable evidence that you just cannot dispute. Um, and then even then, right? It's like there are lots of famous professionals who have been given a pass over the years because they did something really dumb when they were 21 years old. Um, and that was 15 years ago, right? And I think we can all... Well, at least uh, I hope we can all empathize with being 21 and doing really dumb shit because <laughs> I did my fair share, you know? So sure. yeah, we, we just need, we need penalties and I don't know what they, they are. And I, yeah, ha- had an opportunity to maybe be involved in something that was arbitrating these cases and really just quickly realized like, this is I don't, <laughs> it's too much responsibility for me and everybody's going to hate me. No, nobody, nobody likes the poker police. Um, so yeah, yes, it's, 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 it's a no win for you. There's no good outcome for you in that scenario, right? It's, it's a no win scenario. No, um, you just need to like build me a golden cage and pay me right. millions of dollars a year <laughs> right. to, to do it. And I'll, I'll just accept that I'll, I have no friends in poker anymore. Like, yep. okay, you, you guys yep. hate me. That's all right, I'll make friends doing something else. I guess I'll get into, <laughs> I'll get into Magic the Gathering. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Chris, jump in. Well, and I kind of want to take the opposite. I mean, besides <laughs> besides cheating, which obviously gives you an edge, but like, you know, uh, one of the things that I think you do with your your podcast is you you talk to some of the you know the people at the highest level of the game where there have been some cheating scandals. But I want to kind of. Move on from cheating and talk sure, about sure. good, like yeah, right, right. Talk about those those other edges. Like when I see, um, you know, like the World Series of Poker Go will be playing like World Series of Poker. It's the hundred k, you know, bracelet event, and I see the people around the table, and I'm like, where is the edge here? Where, how does anybody have an edge over anybody else? Because they're all so good. Do you have? I mean, after doing all of this, sort of, you know, your whole podcast is called chasing poker greatness do you have a sense of that do you have an answer like what when you're sitting with six of the best players at the world at a table where do you find an edge um well i read an article i can't remember where it was like a few months back about how those guys on the high roller circuit watch every single high roller tournament they watch cards up because they have the feeds right? Everybody has access to the feeds afterwards. So every single one of them watch game tape of every single tournament, right? So to me, I I don't know that necessarily it's about edge. I think more it's about prestige. Um, I do think there is edge, right? I had, I can't remember who it was on the podcast, but they were telling me a story of like, you know, some billionaire who had a girlfriend in Europe and she had never played poker before. And he just like gave her a hundred K and it's like play this high roller event. Right. And she just buys it. So like, you know, there are these, um, people that sign up to these tournaments that do generate an edge for everybody. Because the thing is the rake is very small <laughs> when you, when you have a hundred K tournament. So like you don't need, and the fields are really small. So you have a 30 person field, you add in one whale. Well, it just that everybody just chops up that whale's money. Basically like they, they just, that's where the edge comes from. But I think that like the, at the pinnacle of excellence, I think these guys are, they're chasing poker greatness, right? Like they're chasing the prestige. They're chasing, um, what it, whatever it means to be the best poker player that they can possibly be. And the only way to chase that in earnest is to play against people that are going to push you, that are going to make you evolve. They're going to make you grow. And you know, when you're, you know, Jason Kuhn, well, the only way to find that is by battling it out against the other high rollers and really investing yourself into the strategy and learning and growing and improving. Um, and there's also side benefits to playing against the best players in the world because like when you um, go down a notch, right? Like you're playing mm-hmm. against guys you have significant edges against. So you're not only playing against these guys with, you know, probably a small edge, you also get to shift gears and then have a giant edge against everybody else you play in all the other tournaments. So it's not only for prestige, but to me, it's also for training and growth um, in their poker career. That makes a lot of sense. I love that. Um, We've got a question from Evil Roy Slade here in the chat. 
Any tips or starting points for a poker coaching member who is a longtime passive content consumer who is very bad at getting going with more serious studying? So is that a question of like motivation or aligning your uh, study plan? I would say the drive, like I would question the drivers really first and foremost. Like we, we think that as humans, we're good at being, uh, we think self-discipline is like a good thing that we're good at it. We, we can just grow and build and we can have self-discipline, but like, you know, the, the data says very differently that we need outside forces to drive behavior. Mm. Um, and, and if you just imagine it, like the gym metaphor of like, okay, I'm going to change everything. It's January 1st. I'm going to wake up at 6 AM. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go nuts. Right. Um, and by day three, you're like, fuck the gym. <laughs> fuck 6 AM. <laughs> I am done. I'm not doing this. Um, but now imagine that you have accountability, right? Imagine that you have somebody that's in it with you. That's in the trenches, a friend, right? Like Jim, you know, if Chris, you and Chris agree that you're going to meet up at this place at 7 a.m., well, you're going to show up at 7 a.m. because you don't want to let the other person down, right? So I would put in natural, um, natural things that drive you to take the action that you want to take. Uh, get somebody who's also a poker coaching member and have a study session at like 7 p.m. based on this thing and show up, right? Like that's, you have to put, pieces in place that drive you to take the, the action that you want to take. Um, and, and obviously self-discipline and this is not a knock on, uh, what is it? Evil Roy Slay. Evil Roy. Yeah. Evil, evil Roy. This is not a knock on you, evil Roy, because my self-discipline is terrible too. So like, I, I think just as humans, we're not very good at it. Um, another thing that, that really helps me, that's a very simple thing. Um, I, I have a journal, and I write out my day the day before. So what I'm going to work on, what my plan is. And magically, whenever I write these things down in my journal, they just have a habit of getting huh. done. Yes. Um, they, just, they just somehow the boxes get checked. And when I don't write anything in there, well, I end up just walking around in circles all day with just like chicken with my head, off, head cut off with no plan. So like creating a plan for your day I think is also pretty important thing. It's that sense of accountability is what I'm hearing. And, you know, at the least some accountability to yourself, having a list and a plan that you're kind of letting yourself down if you don't follow through with it. And then having accountability to other people that you don't want to let them down. That's been helpful for me personally. When I've had like a workout buddy, that was basically the only time I ever actually got to the gym. Um, So that, that makes perfect sense to me. And I think like for us here at rec poker too, um, a lot of our wrecking crew members, I think they wouldn't be making the strides that they're making if they weren't feeling accountable to the members that show up to their study group every week or their, or every month or whenever they do it. Like I know, uh, Kim does her hand history review every month. And if there wasn't people counting on her to come and do that study group, she probably wouldn't prepare the material as well, or wouldn't feel accountable to it. So I think you, you know, we're really talking about the same thing. We talk about community and learning together and counting on each other. That seems like it's crucial. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the, the alternative, right, is to question your own values. Mm. And as it relates to poker, do you value being a strong poker player? Do you value studying? Do you value the strategy? And if you don't, if that's not a driver, then just don't study. Play poker yeah. as a hobby for fun, right? right? Yes. And just don't, don't care about getting better. Um, yes. Or if you want to win but you don't want to study, <laughs> uh, then find a new hobby, right? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. that's, those are the alternatives. I think. Yeah. Well, know what you want, right? Like yeah. know what actually drives you. Cause we, I think we have all these things that like we want to want <laughs> to be a very skilled poker player, but we're not willing to really put in the time or effort to do it. We just want kind of all the upside, but yeah, uh, it goes, goes back to language, right, Jim? Mm-hmm. Like put, put language to your values. What is it that drives you as a human, yes. right? <clears throat> When I did a value exercise um, a few years back as it related to my business, my driver was impact. I want to make an impact like this. This gets me out of bed in the morning, making an impact on uh, the people in my community, on my students, on the people I interact with, on their poker games. 
like tangible improvement. Um, it, it just, it gets me going. So like I use that as a driver for all the things that I do. Like I want to make an impact. Is this going to make an impact? If it's not going to make an impact, then I, I just outsource it or don't do it. Right. Um, but th- just this week, right? The speaking of like accountability, homework, community, all these things, my wolves, which is my CFP uh, program. That's great. Um, the, my, my wolves this week, they filled out uh, an accountability worksheet and, or not an accountability, a, a values worksheet. And we're going to go over everybody's values at group coaching next week um, collectively. Right. And this is, again, it, we understand each other, where we're coming from, what matters based on these words, right? Um, trust, freedom, just like all of these different things that, that individuals c- can value. Um, and it's just really important to know where people are coming from, to know what matters to them and know what's going to, uh, what's going to get them going. Well, speaking of getting them going, I can't believe we're already like 35 minutes into the time that we said we'd take with you. I'm going to ask a couple more questions and then I don't want to keep you here all night. Um, Oh, actually I do, but I understand that we live (laughs) in the real world here. Um, So uh, when you're coaching, you're coaching with a series of different players from different um, starting points. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about some common errors that recreational players, and when I say recreational players, I don't mean beginners. I just mean players that aren't doing it for a living, but they're climbing the ladder. So what, what are sort of some common areas that there's some low-hanging fruit for the less experienced players that, they're, that maybe they could just chop out of their game right now, bring that, bring that C game up a little? Oh, man. It's, it's too many to choose from. sounds like a simple question. <laughs> You know, it sounds like a simple question, right? But I don't think it's like there's a a super simple answer here. I think that the major thing that most people get wrong is we, as humans, I think we've lived, we've been taught, it's been beaten to us to be outcome-based. And we focus on the outcome of an individual hand, right? Mm. If you find yourself asking, was there any way that I could have folded this hand? And it's some like giant hero fold, right? It's like, you're saying, I, I did everything right, right? You can do everything right and lose. And that's what's supposed to happen in this game. Mm. So like when you find yourself saying like, could I have, could I have folded this anywhere, right? You're focusing on the outcome when that's just done. It doesn't matter that it, first of all, it's over. You can't erase it. And like, you should all, you, if it's a spot that's cut and dry, you should always go broke there, right? Like there's good ways to go broke. There's bad ways to go broke. And if you go broke in a good way, you just rebuy and play the next hand, you know, you just rebuy and just keep going. So I think like avoiding that trap of trying to avoid pain and just really focus on the result of a singular hand and think more about the strategy, right? I I think that's, think really in depth about what poker is as a game um, and the strategy behind why things are going on. Um, Upgrade your language. This is like a a major one. Um, Just be able to know that like, it sounds like a simple thing, but if, if I'm going to, well, all right, there, there are exceptions to this because I've coached a number of dyslexic students Ah. who, who get tripped up with words, right? Yep. Which is a different thing than what I'm talking about here, by the way, because they, they understand, they see the patterns, they know what's going on. Their descriptive language just gets stuck. Um, but if you're not dyslexic and you know, it's like a two bet pot or a three bet pot or a four bet pot, right? At first you bet and then you raise the, the first bet is the blind, right? Always. That's why, um, you know, the, the raise first in is a two bet. And that's why when you two bet and somebody re-raises you, it's a three bet, right? So just knowing how to talk about these things and like, we, we take it for such granted, right? Like when, whenever the first nine people, uh, we'll call them cavemen, I don't know who they were that played poker and sat around in a semicircle, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they, they had their rocks and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, I'm right there with you for right, sure. The, totally. the first nine people who sat down to play poker, right? There was no under the gun. You know, there was no cutoff. There was no middle position. There was no hijack. There was no low jack. 
these terms didn't exist, these ways to describe the positions. So this is language, right? That anchors you and you know, I raised from the cutoff, right? That signifies there's a range of hands you should be raising from the cutoff here. And everybody understands this, right? And then for some reason, after pre-flop, we get to the flop and language just falls apart. We we have we do a very poor job of describing the action as it's happening, describing the sizing scheme. Um, and yeah, I think that's something that I would focus a lot of energy on. As a matter of fact, that's something that I focus in the Wolf program um, on a regular basis is trying to figure out ways to upgrade language so that we can mm -hmm. communicate more effectively amongst ourselves. I don't care if nobody else outside of Wolves can understand us as long as we can understand what we're saying to each other. And one like one phrasing that I'm trying to get um, caught, caught on is uh, hatching, right? Which basically like when a straight is completed on the turn or when a flush is completed on the turn um, or boats are completed, you know, the board pairs on the turn of the river, um, just like a straight hatches, right? Like Jack 10 hatches. Um, we just need some way to like... And also to shorten shorten what we're saying too. Mm. And it takes three sentences to describe something that happens that's so inefficient. We just need much better words to be able to talk about this stuff so we can have this knowledge, right? It's like we have a, a word for the button. Then we have our this knowledge for how to play the button facing an under the gun open, facing a cutoff open, facing a hijack open, facing a small blind three bet, right? All this is anchored in that one word. So we need to expand that and add more words so that we can chunk in a lot of complex information um, and build from there. Well, that's a great answer. We've got a couple more questions here in the chat and then we'll uh, get you on out of sure. here, Brad. This has been a lot of fun so far. Um, one from George. Do you think small winning players need more upgrades to their tactical uh, understanding or to their mental game? Tactical. Yeah. You get both at the same time. It's a two for one deal. So you, you, are trying to upgrade your tactical. Um, and while you're upgrading your tactical, well, you're going to have to deal with the mental game of poker at the same time. So, I mean, you, you just focus on the tactical, focus on making good decisions. And, and I think that once you're able to make good tactical decisions and you're able to have a strong thought process in the way that you think about making decisions, um, then the next step is most likely going to be something in the mental game side. But the mental game is consistent goes forever doesn't matter mm -hmm. your skill level doesn't matter who you are there's no way to switch off your emotions um you're never just cured of mental game um it's always a thing and so like really you have to embrace and accept that this feeling of awfulness this creeping suspicion that maybe you're a losing player maybe everybody caught up to you overnight Maybe you never knew what was going on and you just got really lucky for 15 years straight. Um, it never goes away. You feel it all the time, every single month, every single week. You always have that doubt. Um, but to me, that doubt is something that to, like, I think is an asset because it pushes you. It, it pushed me, right? It's like, if I think everybody's catching up, well, I need to bear down. I've got to be stronger. If everybody else would give up, if they went through this run that I went through, well, guess what? I'm not everybody else. I'm going to mm -hmm. make it through, right? So like, again, adversity, at, like we talked about before with the high roller crew, um, adversity can sharpen you. Adversity can make you stronger. And so learning that it's okay to feel terrible. Um, it's okay to have to weather adversity. It makes me stronger at the end of the day. I think that's just sort of got to be your motto, especially in this game. I love it. Well, you're obviously a very exciting guest, Brad, because we're getting too many questions, I think, to <laughs> get them all into the episode. We'll just have to have you back one time soon and we sure, can sure. get to some we, of these other ones. Um, the yeah, one, I see the, the Post Oak Bluff. I do remember the Post Oak Bluff. Yeah, that one sounds like... Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? That sounds like an interesting story. Uh, it's... Uh, it's Doyle. It's Doyle. It goes back to Super System, and it, okay. it's like a very small bet um, as a bluff. And I think in today's uh, lingo, we would call it, you know, probably an induction bet or a blocker bet. Yep. would be what what a post oak bluff is. 
All right, there you go. I got one. Uh, I can't not ask this question from Type Login uh, about language. So there's only one John Somsky in the world, and he's, he's on the show right now. Um, have you ever heard, Brad, of the Somsky ratio as an expression? Of, no. So the Somsky ratio is the ratio of the shortest stack at the final table to the tallest stack at the final table. So the bigger the disparity, uh, the greater the ratio. Um, can you think of any strategic benefit to knowing if there was a larger or smaller Somsky ratio at any given table? Like you'd think that the bigger the disparity, the more, you know, big stack dynamic, short stack dynamic would come into play. Um, I mean, you would think that at like a high leverage moments at like a final table, ICM considerations would be in play where like the bigger the ratio, mm-hmm. uh, the tighter the middling or smaller stacks probably need to play and the looser the big stacks need to play. So there you go, John. That's an official weighing in on the strategic value of the Somsky ratio because I'm making that a thing. We're making the Somsky ratio a thing. So I'm just glad to have you on board officially with that, Brad. I'm on board. All right. I mentioned I never it once like so. a year ago and he'll never let me forget it. It's such yeah. a good, such a fun thing. I love it. <laughs> That's the thing about language, you know? I, I tried I tried making the wolves come up with language and stuff, and they're 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 like my kids when you tell them to eat broccoli. Like oh, whatever. I, whatever, dad. Go uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this ice cream instead. Um, they they were they were not into it, right? They so it's, it. it's all on me, but when you do come up with language that just nails a situation perfectly oh, and yeah. describes it, uh, it, it's the best feeling. It's like, holy shit, we just reduced eight words into one and it makes perfect sense and everybody's clear. Yeah. Um Maybe it's just me that gets excited about something. No, no, it's not. I, that's how I felt when I first heard John talk about the ratio. Like that. I was like, oh man, we have discovered something really fantastic here. We got to make this a thing. Uh, well, thank you, Brad. So uh, uh, Martha says, such an intuitive thinker, Brad. That's nice of Martha to chip in. We've got a few other comments in the chat here. Um, I will just say, folks, if you want to come back, we'll, we'll have Brad on again sometime soon. And of course, you got to go check out Chasing Poker Greatness. Um, Brad, where is the best place for folks to go if they want to connect with you further? Twitter, email, download the podcast. What's your preferred way? Yeah, I, I would just hit the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast if you haven't listened to it. And then from there, you know, greatnessvillage.com, hop in the Slack community. Um, lively discussions. We keep, uh, as somebody mentioned in the chat, the toxicity to pretty much non-existent. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my old second in command coach, Thomas, who's, he's the nicest cat loving human that you, you'll ever meet. Soft spoken, <laughs> very nice, very gracious. Um, if somebody starts posting a bad beat story, he turns into Terminator Thomas and just lays the smack down. I mean, it is, I mean, it is, it's, it's uncomfortably brutal. Um, when I read some of his smackdowns, it's like, yo, sorry. Hey, we don't do this. Find find a different coping mechanism. Like this, this is like the exact words. Like we don't, we don't, uh, we we don't just like wallow in our bad beats here. Find a different coping mechanism. I was like, damn, <laughs> Terminator got him again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the reality is is like anything that you've experienced in poker, everybody else has experienced it too. Mm. So like, you think that you're going through something that's like unique to you? You're really not. Like we're all taking bad beats on a daily basis. We don't need to broadcast them. We don't need to talk about them. They happen to all of us and we're all barely holding it together by a thread, right? And as soon as you let that negativity come in, it's like an avalanche and mm. everybody just falls completely apart. Um, and, and that was you know, something that I learned quite quickly in my old uh, Skype group for my students when I was running Enhance Your Edge. Um, when the toxicity gets in there it's hard to get it out and there are people that just bring everybody down and makes makes you feel sad to even read posts gives you a sick feeling in your stomach and like yeah we don't need that like you you can go join a different chat group you can join a different community and tell your bad beat stories if that's what what you want to do but that's that's not what we do over in greatness village nice that's great to hear it and yeah if you're listening at home bad beat stories they're just the worst no one wants to hear them it it i know it feels good to tell them but like find someone who does not know anything about poker 
and tell them your bad beat stories. Tell people that are not involved in your poker world your bad beat stories because they might actually enjoy the experience and you get the full catharsis, but the rest of us, it, it, it is very painful. Chris? My experience, the best part about those people is that they don't care either, right? Because they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You lost with what? I don't, yeah. So, like, so really nobody cares, right? Like if they're outside poker, they don't really even understand. If they're inside poker, they're like, yeah, it happens to everybody. And I do want to say like, that isn't to say that there aren't learning opportunities and hands that you lose or big spots where things go wrong, right? So it's more of a focus on learning and what can we extract from mm-hmm. what happened here than just being like, uh, I got an aces preflop and I lost. Well, who cares? Like, whatever. That happens all the time. There's no question here. You're just complaining. That That's the key. Because I think when you're, because when making mistakes is is a wonderful opportunity to learn and to get better. Um, so mm-hmm. you should be talking about hands that you lose or th- errors that you make. But when you're just complaining, uh, that's different. And that's not constructive or helpful. And it doesn't forward the conversation at all. So. You should be talking about hands that you win, right? Like you should be right. wondering if you make mistakes in hands yes. that you win. Because again, like poker is not, you, you, the feedback mechanism is distorted. So like what what the results are telling you is not the truth of the situation. So like everything is up for analysis and like most people just, they win a pot. They don't really think about it because you know, human beings, we have a negativity bias. We gravitate towards the negative instead of the positive when we win the pots. But I think to really be a, a, to really realize your full potential as a poker player, you need to think about, did I maximize value here? Um, when you make a river bet with a strong hand and they fold, like, did you size correctly? Uh, should you have gone bigger? Should you have gone smaller? Should you have induced? What what line did you take? Um, so even when you win money, you you need or win the pot, you still need to analyze what happened. And I think lots of folks fall into the trap of just trying to focus on the pots that they lose. When you know I've played a billion pots and I've made a billion mistakes. And a lot of those mistakes have been in not maximizing value um, or not using the the most optimal size that I could use in a situation, going 90% on the river instead of 150, when 150 would have gotten called at the same frequency as 90. You're just leaving that that money on the table, right? Yep. Um, so really what I'm getting at here is that to be a professional poker player, to be a high-level poker player, you just need to be miserable all the time. <laughs> When you lose pots, you're miserable. And when you win pots, you're miserable. So everything is miserable all the time. <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, this has not been a miserable 55 minutes or so. So thank you That's so much for your, your generous time, Brad. Um, yeah, so yeah, pleasure. folks, go check him out. Chasing Poker Greatness, if you haven't heard it already. It's available anywhere. Excellent podcasts are sold. Go download it today. And um, if you're going to stick around in the chat here, if you want to join our contest, just type the word contest in the chat here in the YouTube channel. And uh, while we get into our home game stuff, we'll do our draw for that. Uh, Brad, thank you again. That was real kind of you. And I, got, I, got, I, I learned a couple of things today, and I can't wait to uh, see what our listeners have to say. So I look forward to talking again real soon. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm going to go uh, lie down. I still I went to the World Series of Poker for a week and <laughs> made it one day, got COVID, and stared out of my hotel room window like um, Pablo Escobar in Narcos for the next yeah. six days straight. Um, Damn it. So yeah, it was. It, it, I've had better experiences. Uh, <laughs> I, I left. I left to go to Vegas for like one time in the last two years and snap get covid so yeah i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go lay down maybe um yeah take some medication yep uh, rest up and uh we'll have you on again real soon i hope because i feel like we're just scratching the surface of some great conversations here brad thanks again absolutely y'all take care have a good night all right well that was brad wilson from chasing poker greatness um we've got a bunch of uh we're going to cover some home game results and some fun activities coming up but like i say if you're in youtube right now uh type the word contest into the chat and we will do a draw uh the winner gets a copy of dara okarni and barry carter's book uh end game poker strategy the icm book which is uh, a great read and it's what we're currently reviewing in our uh book study here at rec poker with rob washerman couldn't join us tonight uh, but yeah, that's that's that. So, John, why don't you take us into home game results and we can uh, talk about some community happenings here at Rec Poker while people type contest into the chat. 
That sounds good. Well, first and foremost, we had our Mixed Game Championship Series on June 8th. And B-Chip, Charles Allen, won yes. his first Mixed Game Championship Nicely Series. done, Charles. Then we move on to the Daily Nightly Daily Series Nightly Events. And on June 6th, B-Chip, Charles Allen, got his third Nightly Victory for what? the What? Oh, my God. Yeah. Repeat players. We've got a couple of those this week. Then Elva 76, Steve Krebs got his third nightly victory for the year. Salix 7779, Stefan Vermillion got his first nightly victory for the year. Uh, Stewie 13, Stuart Carriage got He's his back. fourth. All right. Yes, he is. And Poker Geek MN, John Somsky got his fourth for the year. Oh, no kidding. You're letting anybody win them these days. They are. It, it just proves anyone can win them right there. <laughs> Congratulations, John. Nicely done. Um, and I, the only way, reason I won that was I just folded every time I got pocket fives. That was <laughs> great. Um, then Elvis 76, Steve Kreps came back and won again what? his second international wow. uh, event for the year. Wow. Apple oh my eye, Harold Berry got nice. his. Uh, second international. Oh, and there should have been a mixed practice event, but I forgot to schedule it until about 15 minutes before <laughs> the game. So we didn't get enough players to actually have that one go. Uh, so, but it'll be there next week now. So we're, we'll be ready for uh, some more action there. And then on June 12th, Monkey System, Keith Brandt oh, won the Learn Keith. Pro Poker event. So you nice. can contact Jim at rec.poker to get his, his free month at Learn Pro Poker. Uh, that's amazing. Keith is such a great member of the wrecking crew here. He does his monthly study group with his off-table tools. And uh, he's going to love that first month uh, of free content at Learn Pro Poker. And anyone else, listen, these home games are free to play in. Uh, every Sunday night, we give away uh, a, a free month at Learn Pro Poker to the winner. So get in there, earn yourself a free month at Learn Pro Poker because the kind of the material that Ryan the Plant and the gang over there put together, they've got a huge archive of videos. There's one-on-one stuff with Ryan. It's really impressive. Um, and if you enjoy that kind of learning material, your $15 a month here at Rec Poker for our premium membership gets you behind-the-scenes access to learn pro poker, solve for why, uh, red chip, pokercoaching.com, um, the poker forge. And there's a ton of these premium training sites that know how important recreational players are to the game. So they give us access to some of their material every month so that we can, uh, uh, learn along with them. And hopefully some of our members will fall in love with a coach or find someone whose teaching style really speaks to them. And they can find someone to go and take that next level with them. But come and come and uh, join our premium membership for fifteen bucks a month and get a little taster's choice of all the different kinds of excellent uh, poker coaching out there, like Brad's. So, all right, let me see. Why don't we do the contest here? We're just going to roll a die. I see a couple people already have uh, the Dara O'Carney book. No surprise there. So let me just see. We're going to start. Let me just take a look through the chat here. Eric's already got his. Looks like Joe's already got his. All right. So Dean and uh, Dave's already got his. So Dean, Chuck, uh, Joe, looks like three. Okay. Well, we got a short list this week. Here's the roll. We're going to start with Dean and work our way down. It's Dean. Okay. Dean C, you have won uh, an electronic version of uh, Endgame Poker Strategy. So to claim your prize, my friend, please email me, jim at rec.poker, and I'll make sure you're all set up uh, so you can learn about ICM and the best way to uh, crush that end of tournament uh, phase, which is so important. That's where all the big decisions get made. And I think having read it and going through it with the book study, there's some eye openers in there about uh, how ICM can be an important factor even earlier in the tournament than uh, people might expect. So that's all part of your Rec Poker Premium uh, membership as well. So if folks want to go check that out, they can. Use code Rec Poker, get your first month for only five bones. I know you like the sound of that. 
So let me see. Yeah, you said it, Dan. I'm excited too. Or Dean. Sorry, Dean. Uh, so yes, we teased it at the top of the show. We've got Running Aces coming up, Rec Poker Weekend on June 24th and 25th. Um, I'm not that good at poker, and I'm a bounty prize in a couple of these tournaments. So it's really going to be pretty simple to show up, knock me out, take some money, go on your way. Um, and it's also going to be a ton of fun. There's a, a special bounty tournament. We're doing a, a point race for the player of the series who's going to win a bunch of uh, prizes. We're even doing a sort of social activity. We'll do a meal if we can get some space available outside so we can all enjoy some food without our masks on. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then, like I said, if you're in Vegas on June 22nd, come down to Bally's. We'll be at the WSOP Cafe uh, at uh, the Bally's facility at 10 a.m. on Monday, June 27th. A bunch of folks are down there for uh, the seniors event, the tag team event. There's some other fun stuff going on that week. So that's a great chance to get together. I think we're going to have some um, some guests come by that day as well if they're in town. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I hope we get a chance to do that. Um, all right. Well, what else? For, oh, uh, John, the Heads Up uh, match is coming up on June 18th at 1 correct. Central. Is that correct? I think. Correct. But I believe by the time you are listening to this, it will have already taken place. Actually, we tweaked the release schedule. So this is now coming out on Friday. So if you're listening to this, the day it comes Ah. out, you have time. It's not too late to register. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. And make sure you register on time because there is no late entry. Yes. So 1 p.m. on the dot. You have to be pre-registered. That's right. And you can register a little in advance. So obviously feel free to show up um, 15 minutes or a half hour earlier and make sure you are registered because again, there is no late registration, Um, but it is a fun format. It's a heads up ladder tournament um, playing against other rec poker members. You don't have to be a premium member. It's free to enter. And uh, the winner, we do this every quarter and the winner gets a seat in Marek Madness next March uh, where we'll have our bracket playoff system. Uh, with a bunch of different members and premium members of Wrecking Crew. And that's a lot of fun too. So join us on uh, Saturday, June 18th for that. And uh, yeah, Dean says, does Wreck Poker do online home games? Does Wreck Poker do online home games? <laughs> Dean, you're talking to John Somsky here. When John, when John started as the online home game director here at Wreck Poker, we had one monthly No Limit Hold'em tournament. And we thought, boy, this is fun. We'll have one monthly No Limit Hold'em tournament for all our members to come in and join. And then we said, we said, well, people want to play some mixed games. Why don't we double the number of poker tournaments that we run every month and also have a monthly mixed game? And John was like, okay, that does sound fun. John likes mixed games, so he was on board. And then this crazy COVID thing happened, and we got the sense that people wanted to sort of connect from home a little more than they'd be used to doing. And so I think, John, you might have even come in and said, like, why don't we just do this every day? Um, I'm going to pretend it was you. It's a better story if you brought that on yourself, to be honest with you, because. uh, (laughs) Oh, no, for some reason, we've lost John's audio. He's not muted in Zoom, so it must be a hard, must be a connection issue or something. No, now he is muted in Zoom. We call this the Somsky, folks. It might be. yeah, it might, it must be a button on this the is a special Somsky. Yeah, you don't get this very often. This is the this is the the never before seen Somsky. Yeah, we're 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 taking this deep, John. I'll I'll talk a little bit about your experiences in this area in case you can't come back and join us. Um, but yeah, so then ultimately, to, to make a long story short, Dean, we ended up doing. Uh, we ended up now we're playing ten home games every week. 10 home games every week, uh, plus the monthly tournament of champions. So there's between, there's usually like 45 home games every month. Um, so Dean, we'd love for you, if you go to rec.poker slash home game, you can see the instructions on how to join. It's free. It's widely considered to be the toughest play money home game out there. Um, certainly the toughest regularly occurring yeah, uh, play I'll, money home game. I'll just say like, I've I've never ever played in a play money home game where everyone takes it seriously. Yeah. And so it's a great training tool. You can get hand histories. You can talk about them with friends and um, people actually play and try to win. So it's, it's not like an all in fest. It's not just um, it, it's, it's pretty cool. 
It is. It is great. And we do give out prizes. We give out the LPP monthly uh, prize on Sundays. But every other night of the week, you are competing for this beautiful bronze rec poker pin. They are elusive. They are in demand. We don't just give them away. You got to win them. And uh, if you win a bronze pin by winning one of our daily tournaments, you're invited back to next month's Tournament of Champions, uh, which is a monthly tournament that we run, the winner of which gets that beautiful silver pin, very coveted. And um, and that's going to unlock some future rewards that we'll talk about down the road a little bit. But it's a lot of fun. Also, if you make the final table of the Tournament of Champions every month, we give you a free month of Rec Poker Premium membership, and you get to come join the panel for our online review and hang. Every month, we take the video of the final table of the Tournament of Champions, and we review it and break it down hand by hand and street by street uh, with the players. So we talk about their strategic decisions, uh, the spots that they faced, what they could have done differently, and it's a chance for our members to get some immediate feedback on their game uh, when it matters, because you know there's only one pin. So it, it, it matters. I get a little, uh, the adrenaline starts pumping when, um, when, we get, uh, when we get close to that silver pin. Now, let me see what's up here. See if we can get John Somsky back in the room. So yeah, so Dean, we do. Um, and how do we calculate the Somsky ratio online? Yeah, it's actually very simple. So e- email me, jim at rec.poker. I'll, I'll send you the primer on um, the Somsky ratio and how we calculate it. I love it. Uh, and yeah, Dean, I, that's so lovely for, to hear you say. It sounds like a community I'm interested in joining. Boy, did we pay this Dean guy to show up and say nice ah. things about us on the show here? I don't, I don't, Dean, yeah, please do. Just head on over to www.rec.poker. It's free. All it takes is an email address and a smile, although they're both mandatory. So uh, come on over and uh, and get involved. We have um, we have forums. We've got a Discord channel. We've got lots of ways to get involved. Yeah, Amen. Um, the home games, and we have our our uh, learning sessions five or six days a week. There's at least one uh, interactive Zoom strategy session. Uh, hand history reviews, poker tracker breakdowns, um, using Flopzilla. Uh, getting involved with solvers. It's um, we, we do a lot of things uh, to experience poker learning in as many different ways as we can in community, just like Brad was talking about. We do it all together. We share our victories. We share our losses. We celebrate. We commiserate. Um, and we do it all for free over at rec.poker. So I do hope uh, you come and join us. Well, what do you think, folks? We... Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job. We got John totally KO'd here. So <laughs> we found a whole new time. It must it's be a whole time new yeah. horizon for, for Somskiing. We got the Somsky ratio out there in, in, in real legitimate uh, uh, poker speak. So I guess I just want to take an opportunity to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And look at all these amazing people in the chat. Uh, Troy, George. Dean, uh, Joe, Joe, I already said George, Evil Roy, um, another Joe. Hold on a second here. Um, Martha, Eric, uh, let me see. We got a couple more in here, I can tell already. Eric, George, okay, Chuck. Okay, well, thank you all. And, and John and Chris, and you, the listeners. 